Hey, everybody. Absolutely fantastic episode of The Morning Show today. We talk about BitBoy Crypto's meltdown. I mean, this guy is on uh, hes on a warpath right now, destroying his own life, or maybe it's all just part of a big-time marketing play to increase his relevance on crypto Twitter and on YouTube. Anyway, we talk all about that. It's a fun conversation. We talk about some of the upcoming crypto catalysts that could lead to positive price action for NFTs and crypto. And then we're actually, we have a great discussion with our partner for today's show, Iskra. You can go to iskra.world. It's an all-in-one Web3 game platform. They just released a game that's getting a lot of traction on Coinbase's base chain. Brian Armstrong himself, the CEO of, and founder of Coinbase, tweeted about it. Really, really, really cool stuff. Anyway, it's a fantastic conversation. You can check out Iskra.world if you want a free-to-play game that's really well-built, super fun, and, and very frictionless to get started with. Great discussion, great show. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Kixie is here. Kix, how you doing, amigo? Doing phenomenal. Got a nice cappuccino in my hand. Cool fall day outside. Feeling good. That's what I like to hear. You're going to say something else? baby. Almost. Coming for you. Almost. Well, look, I mean, we had Fuocious on the show yesterday. It was a great time. For the first time in over a month, it does feel like there are several catalysts that are coming for NFTs. Today... We have a brave new world being announced from Pudgy Penguins. The open beta for Legends of Morrow, which is one of the new gaming entities being released by Yuga Labs. And last but not least, Fawocious, uh, as we discussed yesterday, has the Fuos um, airdrop process starting for people that own paint. In the next 30 days, we're also realistically going to have a meme coin launch from the Meme Land team, the Captains and Potatoes ecosystem. And also gameplay for Zynga's Sugar Town. So a lot of action in the space. It's unclear uh, whether or not this will result in pros- a positive price action. Often the two aren't correlated and often uh, the kind of audience's focus is on price-related progression versus, um, you know, I guess you could say like startup-related uh, progression. What are you most looking forward to, Easy, out of the different things that we discussed? Sugartown game. Very, very eager and excited to see what it is. Um, they said that it's a net new game, so that should actually be going live. I believe they said the 29th. I just saw a calendar on Twitter. Looks like staking goes live Wednesday. You earn energy to take some level of action, so it looks like a gamified staking mechanic. But Zynga's done a damn good job, man, um, so far with this rollout. They have people excited. They have people interested. Free Mint. Never a bad time, you know? So, like, clearly it's still sitting at a 0.270th floor, holding strong, especially with some of these other games launching and kind of getting some market share and attention. Legends of Mario seems really interesting. That goes live today, which has a lot of speculation on it being more of an idle strategy game, which has me interested. But the gaming side of things is what's really, really running here. Of course, Pudgy's Brave New World, I think, is a good conversation or topic of discussion, but we lack a lot of information around it. So, currently, we're just kind of waiting. Whereas with Sugartown and Legends of Morrow, we know that we're actually able to take action. The thing I'm also most excited about with Sugartown is that it's a weekend-long event. It looks like it's starting on the 29th, ending on November 2nd. So it's about five days covering the weekend with a leaderboard. So I enjoy those shorter time frames because like, I'm burnt out of Rec League. I haven't played it in like three or four days at this point just because like, I just don't have time. Is know? it good? It's, it's, the Rec League is really fun, like it, really enjoyable, really quick games. They last less than 90 seconds, so it's extremely quick as far as like gameplay. But I'm just burnt out. It's four and a half hours a day to even like 
place. I was top 50 for an extended period of time. I think I've now fallen to like 87th. So I'll still get like 0.2 worth of Ethan prizes. But like I just don't have time to play four and a half hours of games, waking up at 6 a.m. or staying up to play at 10 p.m. It's just that's tough. But the gameplay is really solid. So I've been pleasantly surprised by that. I've probably spent like 0.2, a quarter ETH on just NFT assets. But I'm just, I'm over it. We're missing like the biggest things here. Okay. There's, uh, the, I know what you're about to say. More. No, you actually don't. Okay. One of them, none of y'all were paying attention to, and I'm kicking myself for not having purchased Beef Broth Co. at 0.22. <laughs> I was looking at this thing. I literally, everyone in the, uh, in the art scene, baby. At Marfa, uh, and all of the people that came back from it, which are the same people that would have inspired, kind of were the source of inspiration of my original uh, podcast, which was just hit after hit after hit of, uh, what can I say? Had the best guests, you know, in a condensed period of time, really uh, constructed one of the best portfolios of speakers had you invested in all of them. Uh, but Facts. Beef Brothco, uh, I'm real pissed, man. That thing's at like 0.56 right now. It it's, came off of 0.7. Only 666 of them. It actually looks kind of promising. It seems like there were physical counterparts of them in Marfa. I don't have the full story behind it, which is frustrating for me. Uh, but it felt like... Um, that's one of the frustrating things of seeing activity on Twitter, seeing just the photos of people and stuff. And it's like one giant inside joke. And I'm like, go screw yourself. Okay? Why, why is this... Uh, why is this... Uh cool to me it looks like just like kind of like that that modern art in museums right is it a famous artist or something well rothko would be the uh beef brothko is what he's uh pointing out with that um <laughs> and uh it was i think rothko i i saw via someone else that the birthday of rothko is the 29th or something like that or the 25th the, the museum of modern art tweeted about it anyways there was some weird stuff did you that see I the founder's comments to blur that's oh yeah, that that went that went popular as well. His DM Blur said, "Why aren't you tradable on Blur?" And he responded with, "Shaking and shitting right now at the prospect of getting lubed up and passed around like a Costco rotisserie chicken and a cash for gold marketplace built on the dying dreams of artists. Every meat market is unbearable. It's just a matter of finding a butcher with some discernible." Albeit dwindling morsel of humanity remaining. <laughs> He's he, funny. He, He's edgy. I'll give him that. He uh, made the supply six six six, and then talks about like hooves and stuff in uh, the description. So I don't really attract uh, like to uh, bring demonic influences into my life. So I'm happy that I didn't trade it, unlike you. But I mean, that's a lot of money there. So speaking of nice demonic miss. influences. Your boy, BitBoy Crypto, was partying <laughs> yeah. with the demon himself last uh, last night. I don't think last night was the first time, I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah. But he that was some, like, uh, white trash-style <laughs> uh, coverage right there. Of, yeah, that's not uh, high-end cocaine. That's that's bathtub cocaine. <laughs> like, that's like you know, someone, someone's, someone's telling you it's cocaine. It's like getting cocaine in Hawaii. Cocaine doesn't exist in Hawaii. It's all meth. <laughs> Why is his first of all? Why is the girl that he's uh, cheating with in the back of the car, not in drug the front dealer. of the? Like, what's that? Mike Posner, my drug dealer girl. <laughs> uh, 
I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I literally. It's I've a known. banger. That's a great song. Great yeah. song. Thank you, buddy. Drug dealer. Okay, sorry. So but also, it's not his mistress, Nick. Apparently, it's a the, like. I think they said that it's it, they're working through this. It's a thruple. It's more of a thruple now. It's a thruple. Yeah, he yeah. posted a tweet this morning saying he's not breaking up with her. His wife's aware of this, and he's not getting a divorce, despite what the internet wants him to do. Dude, um, he has the coolest wife ever. She's <laughs> <laughs> just probably banging her personal trainer. I mean, she is pretty chill. I will say that. Like, it was interesting, and they were laughing about it on on uh, stream. Um, it just made me think they were in more of a open relationship situation. Well, did there. you also see Maxine Walters and uh, Master P have now both been involved in this story as well? Maxine Walters wanted BitBoy to put a hit out on Ben Dadith. You mean Max Waters? Yeah, Waters. Waters. <laughs> Maxine Waters. Walters. Waters. Well, wants Arbor him to Walters? put a hit out on Ben Dadith. And Master P bought a million dollars of Ben token and is down bad and wants to personally speak with BitBoy Crypto. Uh, these were all tweeted this morning after an eight-hour jail sentence. So he's out of jail. Yeah, $2,500 bond for assault and loitering is what the charge is officially. Yeah, the assault, assault that charge. door when he knocked on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he seemed pretty pissed off. And he, in the video, said uh, he was calling uh, uh, Carlos a little bitch. Uh, he said he ran away like a little bitch. Was uh, oh, so boy. I watched the whole I watched the YouTube one from the start, and he looks like I mean, he's hyped up, like no doubt. And there's a little bit of fear, uh, coming from him, but the drugs helped him overcome that fear, <laughs> is what was clear from the situation. Well, it must um, be legal drugs because he didn't get arrested for illegal drugs. Uh, well, arrested him. So, a little deductive reasoning. I would assume they would have searched his car. Well, did he need to have it in that car? Maybe him. Maybe he. They had just had a threesome, right, at his <laughs> uh, house. Drug. And field. then they. And then they. Dr drug binge involved in it. His wife's down with that as well. I'm not. I'm just saying this is like a uh, a possible. Sure. But scenario. do you think he was coming up on drugs or coming down from drugs uh, during the videos? Yes, I mean, I, I don't know how to determine what the uh, spike is. I mean, if you're, I, I'm, I hear that crack is a short uh, spike, so that one's Where's like that? 20 minutes. But uh, everything else, I, I could not tell you uh, what the half life is of the impact of a drug. I mean, if he was on uh, edible marijuana, it would have <laughs> taken uh, one to two hours for him to actually begin to feel it properly which yeah. there's no doubt that he was not on edible marijuana because he would not have been behaving the way that he was. Yeah, so, I believe that he's on he, he's given off real diet pill energy, so I, I think he's being genuine. <laughs> Ephedra. Diet pill. Yeah, Ephedra yeah. energy. Uh, Bunny has his hand raised. Seems like he's chomping at the bit to weigh in here. Bunny, what's going on? Who's Rothko? <laughs> Mark Rothko, very important artist of the past. He did... He yeah, but he didn't do beef, Brosco. He's been dead since 1970. You don't know that. That's what the Wikipedia said when I just Googled liked. it. I know. Obviously, what, what? the the real Mark Rothko is not the artist behind the beef Brothko uh, collection on OpenSea. Uh, Signal, what was your way in there? No, I'm saying the artist behind the Brothko is uh, 
die die with the most likes. That's his hand on Twitter. There you go. That's the artist bunny. So it's been cleared up for Thank you me. now. Uh, I, I'm sure you're very appreciative. Uh, look, today we're going to be discussing the upcoming catalyst. The upcoming catalyst for crypto, meme lands potential for a significant October. We're five days out from October and things are shaping up that meme land could potentially be uh, something to look at. And lastly, we, we'll be uh, joined by Ben from Iskra to learn more about their in innovative gaming platform and the new game Clashmon. So just to, to bring up uh, today's partner, Iskra, you see the tweet pinned to the top. Iskra is an all-in-one Web3 game platform that rewards players and developers through a unique community system. Services include Web3 games, a wallet, a DEX, a marketplace, and a launchpad. Basically, the whole suite. And this is the juicy part that we're going to really dive into. It's backed by some of South Korea's biggest tech and video game companies. At this point, they've raised $40 million and ranks at the top categories for gaming on DAP Radar for unique active wallets and engagement. We're super jazzed up to talk about this. We brought Kicks along today uh, to get his way in as a fellow gaming uh, entrepreneur. Uh, this is definitely a really exciting partner for us to have on the show today. Uh, one one other little tidbit here. While participating in base mainnet's on-chain summer launch campaign in August, Iskra's Clashmon game, the one that I mentioned before, topped 80,000 unique mints during a seven-day period, which matched on-chain activity for other major brands like Coca-Cola and Atari. So you can check them out at iskra.world, that's I-S-K-R-A dot world, or you can try their latest collectible battle RPG Clashmon for free. It is free at clashmon.iskra.world. So that's Clashmon, C-L-A-S-H-M-O-N. But we have him uh, pinned on Twitter. I'm sure Clemente, uh, he's showing it on the YouTube screen, but he can also do the banner with the links there too. But we will get right into the weather report here. Signal, please take it away. It's with kicks today. Oh, kicks. We get a kicks weather report. A lot of fun. Dude, that's so fun. Um, hold on one sec. We're having a little technical difficulties. <laughs> ah, there we go. It's on the stream. Got to turn the sound on. Today is Tuesday, September 26th. Market volume coming in $10.2 million. Floor coming in at 4.8. OpenSea coming in at 2.9. Bringing in some other volume from other marketplaces. Just keeping it above 10 for you all out there so you don't get too depressed. NFT market leaders, large caps are stable outside of captains who are up 10% to 3.3 ETH in the last 24 hours. Other movers include Ether avatars, up 28%. Pirate Nation, up 33%. Big raise over there. And Fewo World, Fewo World, paint jobs down 80% following the snapshot, but that's probably expected. Over the past 24 hours, after teasing their collaboration with Bape, Florida API Club announced that their collaboration will debut with a limited quantity physical collection at 8 Fest Hong Kong. Hope to see you there, Nick. And will be followed by a global drop in babe stores everywhere. That's big news. During their Ask Me Anything, MemeLam shared that October is the target lunch launch month for MemeCoin. They owned up to mistakes on the expectations first deliverable side and said that following the token launch, they're going to be able to focus on social FI rewards. 
Pudgy Penguins will be entering the brave new world today. After teasing the launch for the last week, Pudgy Penguins are up 14% and Little Pudgies are up 23% in the last seven days in anticipation of the activation. Lastly, Courtyard announced their next pack drop featuring 200 packs selling for $300 each. They got a Mario Pikachu card as the top reward. That recently sold on eBay for $6,100. That's it for the weather report. Back to you in the studio. Well, thank you so much for that weather report, Kicks. It was fantastic. It's good to hear that Meme Land's lunch month is coming up next month in yeah, October. They're going to eat. They're going <laughs> to eat this month. They're going to be eating. Uh, look, updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. It's posted to X every morning. It's pinned up top on the Twitter space, also available at thenifty.com. We already touched on crypto YouTuber Ben Armstrong, BitBoy Crypto, being arrested and jailed for loitering live on a YouTube stream yesterday, and he was apparently released this morning. Wonder what that bail was. Crypto exchange HTX, formerly Huobi, suffered a hack, loses $8 million worth of Ethereum with Justin Sun claiming that this was just two weeks worth of revenue on the platform. He's saying no big deal. Eight million bucks ain't nothing to that's us. A humble brag, P.O. Oh, just being like, oh, eight million. Don't worry about us, guys. It's just like two weeks revenue. Like, we'll be back. That's a big time humble brag. A Sugartown Aura's staking will be coming tomorrow. It will earn non-transferable energy, allowing, allowing uh, users to participate in events, leaderboard challenges, and win prizes. Uh, next door. Oh, Nick, go ahead. What was the chance that Auras and Odas, like, are, are the, like, it, these names are too similar here. Sugartown now sounds like the Yuga Labs Odas. I don't know. The whole thing is getting ridiculous. Maybe you an Oda? You mean a Coda? Out. Yeah, Coda converts into an Oda in their new new game. That's dumb. You're making that up. I swear, <laughs> I'm not. Swear. Even, I'm not even making that up. Interesting. Uh, there you go. Our Oda looks That's like the a, Oda. It, it's like it a looks L. It's like a baby Coda with the uh, like suction cups on the side of its head. <laughs> I like the innovation there. I, I would love to have been in that meeting. <laughs> uh, Nick, you would wanna, you? You want to get the, uh, I got it. Artist Grant Yoon teased a collection with Ledger with further details to be released today. I wonder what that drop looks like. Jerk sold out 690. What the hell are jerks? I am. For <laughs> 0.069 ETH each with the art hand drawn by over 40 unique artists. The collection did a 3X following the mint. Recorded over 160 ETH in volume and is currently at a 0.17 ETH floor. Wow, that's a nice uh, 2X in this market. We're seeing some action here. OSF announces he will be making his fighting debut on Crypto Fight Night, fighting Rahul Setharam on November 24th in Dubai. Anybody know who Rahul is? He is the CEO. The oh, go ahead, Clemente, please. You got it. I was just reading off his bio. I, I, well, what is I want you to. He's like I, I want founder, <laughs> CTO of Connects Network, I think, if I recall correctly. I think he does research at Ionic Money as well, and maybe a dev in Zoomer Money. But I'm I'm just going off the top of my head. 
What's his height? That's the thing that I'm wondering about here. Well, I saw uh, OSF tweet today. And by the way, I already when OSF came on our show, we actually talked about boxing. I asked him if he would take another match because he had told us at Art Basel last year on stage, actually, if you recall, Nick, he had told us he had done two bouts as a boxer earlier in his life. I was very impressed. And then I asked him when he came on our show last if you would take another fight. And he very, 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 confidently said yes and look at that putting his money where his mouth is way more badass than any reply guy on twitter actually taking a boxing match and tweeted this morning that he's going to be gaining seven pounds uh for you international folks that's about 15 kg uh for this fight no 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 that would be oh, three and a half three, kg. Three. three kilos oh correct my math was off i uh multiplied instead of divided but anyway um yeah three kilograms seven pounds for the fight um commonly a boxer would be cutting weight to make a fight so he's actually literally punching above his weight he's taking a fight with a heavier fighter in in fighting ladies and gentlemen this is a badass move and so uh very cool stuff it's happening in dubai literally taking a boxing match in dubai what world is this uh that's pretty cool stuff this is after they made nine million bucks selling apes um this is almost like conor mcgregor stuff you don't need the money but i'm taking the fight you know it's for the love of the game Pio has a new boyfriend of the day and a new update chat GPT plus users. Is that what they call it now? I, I pay for it. So I guess I'm a ch chat GPT plus user who will be able to have a uh, voice conversations with chat GPT and send pictures and conversations. I know the types of pictures I'll be sending my baby chat. GPT. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Spotify announced a voice translation feature allowing podcasts to be translated to various languages using AI. Um, well, that's interesting. I saw that coming out elsewhere. I actually was also having a conversation this weekend with a friend who was saying that, uh, uh, what what's the company that used to be Clear Channel? Clear Channel, um, uh, iHeart Radio. Yeah, so iHeart Radio, a, a lot of their uh, shows now, fully AI. So what? they have full-blown podcasts that are full AI, the voice and everything. Uh, they haven't been publicizing this, um, but they've been creating a bunch of AI-generated shows that are on Spotify. All the scripts are right and everything else. Uh, uh, like, yes, yeah, it's it's mostly AI. It's, it's uh, managed by people, but uh, a lot less uh, production effort. You don't have to deal with the emotional volatility of, uh, you know, humans. Um, it's a pretty effective uh, method being used here. And uh, despite that, somehow the writers came to an agreement, you know, uh, and the strike is coming to an end. So oh, is that, that right? Affecting us, yeah, that happened uh, yesterday or two days ago. Um, but uh, the outcome of that is still that they're going to lose their job. I mean, like, there's no doubt what like talk about a dying industry. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way. Uh, that humans are still writing in, uh, f you know, a few years. Like we're we're at the we're at the tail end of uh, humans making money, um, and we're all going to be reporting to our AI counterparts. So I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, you saw, yeah. I mean, look, I think you're you're spot on there. Uh, I also saw that Lex Friedman was the example that was used for the Spotify AI thing. Do you think the AI, how slow does the AI translate? you know, his lingo, like this is for all, this is an inside joke for all the Lex Friedman, Friedman podcast listeners. But anyway, um, 
Is BitBoy Crypto, first story here, is BitBoy Crypto, my favorite sentence here, becoming the main character? Guys, he got arrested not because he has a drug problem, not because he ended up losing his business, but because he became the main character. That's why he ended up getting um, arrested. Easy. Am I right about that? There's no other option for it. That's like quite literally the only reason it happened. I actually just wanted to share. A it tweet was a marketing campaign. <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to share a tweet in the private chat community. If you want to pull that up, GCR Classic, Twitter pro, uh, personality, well-known trader on the space, has said in November 21 of 2022, almost a year ago to date, he posted this tweet and said, I've long predicted the emergence of an echo bubble in 2023, and none of the recent events have changed my forecast. I also predict that BitBoy will be in jail by October 2023, followed by a bull market. So my man's taking a shot almost a year to date. We got a bull market coming, baby. Is that real, this tweet? Be that tweet uh, why, was real. Yes, dude, it's on his What's page. up with people screenshotting tweets and posting them the rather engagement than... engagement loop versus the quote. The picture gets more engagement yeah. than How a broken is Twitter that you have <laughs> to screenshot the, the image, dude? It's so ridiculous because you can't fire. go and click to reference it. I guess I'm now screenshotting tweets. That's that's the way that I'm going to I'm not retweeting any of you uh, people. It's, it's probably because people like you click on it to read the original tweet. But then you're getting you're giving them an expanded view, like enhanced uh, engagement. I also want to know how broken is Twitter that this guy gets this much attention and this much airtime at like this level of bottom in his life. Like he's loitering outside people's houses with his mistress and with a piece in the car. And I'm just amazed at how much attention people give to this, in P.O.'s words, marshmallow. Like <laughs> I, there needs to be something else happening in the space that this guy at this point in his life like continues to get this it, much attention. It, so the tweet it, is it, fake. It baffles I, me. I just verified the tweet is fake. The first sentence is on there. I had to go look this up, but Easy like sending me these fake ass tweets <laughs> and uh, and and I, I'm I'm tired I'm of this nonsense. Them. Easy, I'm all in it, on them. That was what was the one the other week? Anyways, he said I've long predicted the emergence of an echo bubble in 2023, and none of the recent events have has changed my forecast. That's the end of the tweet. Yeah, so I just add a little extra. Well, that's why you always have to sign at the end of your tweet so people can't add anything. Okay, you sign <laughs> because me typing Nick. Is going to prevent them from throwing that bad boy. So when, you, when, you tip, when you tip someone, you got to put a line to the left so they can't like add any numbers to the tip. Has anybody ever had the money. number added to their tip? I think the way we solve this, though, is instead of tweeting, you don't actually post tweet. You take a screenshot of the tweet and watermark it. So you put your app over like the tweet, pictures of it. So you're only posting pictures instead of tweets now. And Twitter is basically going to become Instagram. It's just pictures. Well, I mean, that could be the case. Uh, I wouldn't have been, I mean, like making a call like that though, saying that BitBoy could go to jail is actually not that outrageous of a call given his history of promoting, you know, basically like unregistered securities and, and, you know, undisclosed sponsorships and things like that at the scale that he was operating. Quickly, I wanted to shout out a commenter who had a fantastic comment here. This is Goku325. And he said, BitBoy is entertaining the whole space. Long live that man. Take care of our Buffon. And so Signal is French. If you know anything about the arts, then you know that Buffon 
is a type of clown. And people like Sasha Baron Cohen, for example, Borat, went to like one of the most prestigious clown schools in the world in France. And I believe that the Borat character, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, either Borat or Bruno, one of them is actually the Buffon, which when I Google it right now, that is the more intelligent and darker cousin of the clown. But unlike the clown whom we laugh at, Buffons form a gang and laugh at us. Buffon is in an extreme state of play, a mime gone wild, combined with the surreal and deformed shapes of grotesque. It amplifies the absurd expression. You know, what's funny is that you mentioned that despite when I search Buffon, it comes up with... Uh, Gianluigi uh, Buffon, the goalie from Italy? Yeah. The, one of the greatest Italian goalies of all time. Okay. Absolute legend. Cool. That guy was good at soccer. Anyway, back to exactly what we were talking about. And I'm guessing this word comes from very similar to the American word buffoon. buffoon. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Awesome. And so that is what's happening here, although uh, everyone on crypto Twitter doesn't necessarily realize it. I quite frankly don't even know if BitBoy Crypto realizes it. However, uh, he has a natural talent for this. And so look at what happens, man. The train wreck continues and uh, BitBoy Crypto probably isn't going anywhere. This is just part of his saga. Um, we can move on from, from my boy BBC. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, the thing I was going to say is it just does seem like he has a lot of these things planned. You know, he, he's thinking at a higher level with a lot of these acts that, that have happened. Him having his business ripped from him, this is one of the best marketing campaigns for, for himself that has ever gone down. He's been on the timeline as a, as a trending person multiple times now. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that, like, there's strategy. Happen. Like, dude, the fact that his wife was laughing at the cheating thing that he was mentioning, they couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> then when he goes and uh, asks for donations, and throws in, I feel like he could argue at this point that he's satire, like that he's, uh, because when he said it's from a legal defense fund, he could be <laughs> like, he's making fun of, uh, who was the guy that was sued by uh, Machi? Uh, Zach um, XBT. Zach XBT. He could say that he was maybe making fun of Zach XBT, and so that's what was going on there. I don't know. Maybe this is one brilliant, brilliant play. Uh, the bottom line is, I mean, he he has a uh, sizable audience, um, and he's done a great job on Twitter as well. He he's uh, crushing both sides. He's got over fifty, nearly fifty four thousand people on uh, YouTube. He's fast on the path to getting uh, another million, get going up to the million. I mean, he's gonna flip it, his legacy channel and be the one getting the last laugh. Um, yeah, the whole thing is, uh, uh, pretty ridiculous. Did he get rid of his, um, yeah, he got rid of the other video. So when I linked to it easy, you couldn't view it. I should have recorded at that point. Uh, somebody made, uploaded the full 37 minute video though. On uh, it, it was, I think, okay. Yeah, there's no way that thing's lost. Don't worry about that. I wanted to shout out uh, Blate, frequent commenter, uh, you know, definitely valued uh, YouTube member here, said, I wish someone would appreciate me as much as I appreciated that YouTube comment. Like, talking about me, I thought that was a pretty funny comment. Anyway, let's move on to the upcoming crypto catalyst. Looks like there are three potential catalysts for crypto coming up in October. 
the Bitcoin spot ETF deadlines for both Grayscale and BlackRock, ETH futures ETF deadlines, and the Coinbase versus SEC move to dismiss deadline. So we got a few things. Uh, Mando here uh, said that he feels like we could bounce hard uh, via a tweet that Clemente has pulled up here. Um, I mean, crypto has been largely flat. You see some altcoins that represent startup companies like ApeCoin and Blur down significantly, but the heavy hitters like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana have been mostly flat, maybe slightly down in a couple of examples. Nick, how do you feel about October for crypto prices? I mean, there's definitely action on the timeline. You know, we're back from summer. People are going to conferences. There's activity on Twitter. There's price action, which is positive on greater than zero collections, which is a good thing. NFT collections. Uh, we, yeah. The biggest thing that I'm checking out here, I, I'm increasingly interested in art. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm increasingly interested in art. That's one area to me which makes a a, a ton of sense, um, and so yeah, the, like after that Beat Brothco situation that that I uh, did not trade, but I like it. Like it, what's also interesting is there was a physical counterpart there. Now I don't know if you minted it, if you got the physical, or like what the story was. It seemed like that an interactive painting experience. Sam Spratt took a picture with his beef brothco, which was one of the things, like one of the catalysts there uh, for me to be like, oh, this seems interesting. And there were some other uh, OG CryptoPunk people that I saw that were down in Marfa uh, that were taking uh, photos of this. So it's something that, I don't know, I think is, is, is an area that I'm most interested in. I'm actually wondering, like, what does that next round look like? Here you go. Um, so th th there, there were a lot of jokes associated with this. Clearly, the, uh, the key artist is a joker um, or jokester. <laughs> um, but we were doing personas, and I used the word joker for easy. And then I'm like, I guess that could sound bad. Uh, what, like, what's because the, easy what's the makes nice jokes? Yeah, like the, uh, jokes around. But some people, sometimes you can be like, oh, man, that person is a joker. Right, and that's a negative comment. Yeah. Exactly. So anyways, um, uh, the, uh, uh, yeah. So this guy, he likes messing around. He's a funny guy. It's definitely, uh, he doesn't for, he has a meme. He's got a four loco and a glass of wine. So yeah, I'd say he's pretty funny. Go ahead. Nick. I just think there's more interesting stuff there because nobody's going and asking what's the utility. Like people went and had a great event. They enjoyed their time there. And they got some art and that's it. Like, that's like the conclusion of the whole thing. They're not saying, yo, what's the utility? Yo, uh, uh, they're not hopping in the discord saying, oh, Nick's ju just a trust fund baby. <laughs> you know, who just, what, what, was, what was the quote <laughs> easy that you uh, copy pasted in the discord? Oh, I'd have to find it. But basically calling you a trust fund baby who has ample money and doesn't understand reality. I'm a fan of it. I don't make sense though, because you want to be a big art collector. <laughs> I do, apparently, I give off that vibe. You know, when people meet me, they say that guy must be a big art collector <laughs> because you've worked um, hard to to achieve success and present yourself in a way that makes people think you have money. You're a piece of shit. 
<laughs> just Thank kidding. Um, um, <laughs> well, look, Nick, the only thing, so here's the deal with art. We had Fawocious on the show yesterday, who is a, I'd say, um, at least uh, top five. Yeah. Leo here in the audience said, at least you're, listen to this wag me boy. Um, there's something. a joke. I, I appreciate that because we were discussing that the other day. That apparently that's like a saying, oh man, listen to these wag me boys. They just giving me a hard time. Remember, uh, what, what's the the weed smoking dude that was on here the other day? Well, well, no, Nick, you actually don't understand that wag me boy is a widely used insult. I was actually trying to get in in a basketball game over here uh, in Bedsty in Brooklyn, and a bunch of gentlemen were dunking and you know like really uh, hooping pretty hard. And I went on, and they were like, "Look at this wag me boy. We're not going to let this guy get onto the court." You know, so everybody's saying the word wag me boy. It's a very popular term. Um, but when you think about uh, when you think about our you know, we had Fuocious on the show yesterday, talked to Fuocious. I tried to ask questions to Fuocious to sort of get perspective on what this ascension has been like and what it's been like to kind of, uh, you know, rub elbows with literal billionaires and people that buy extremely expensive pieces of art. And it was fascinating. He didn't say that he rubbed elbows with billionaires. You're, you're, you're saying that. He said that he's been in some uh, rich people situations, but that he has to keep those people uh private literally said he knew yeah. a billionaire during the conversation you can watch the tape did he yeah he he's selling art for hundreds of thousands of dollars like billionaires are buying that and just listening to the positive response to the physical artwork obviously the physical artwork is exceptional so you know these billionaires these uh high net worth individuals that collect art are having a positive response to the physicals then finding out about the nft and having <laughs> Nick, having that be uh, a, a bit of a turn off what i've been thinking is that the artists making, you know, Meridians and Fidenzas, you know, the Tyler Hobbs and the Matt, the Matt D's of the world. Um, I think that they need to start having a physical component to the artwork that they release themselves. So whether it's like a canvas, um, you know, uh, version of the artwork or something like that, I think that that would actually go a long way to maybe make traditional art collectors more interested. It's still a digitally native artwork. The NFT still is the core artwork, but I don't see any negative aspect to bringing in a physical uh, artwork. So yeah, I'm just just throwing it out there. I don't know if anybody disagrees. Or, Signal? Or, uh, I don't know. I, like, I feel like that's pandering to a market that is old and not evolving what, rather than the artists should be like speaking to the current buyers and the future buyers. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to have those people in your corner. I get that. But it also feels like that's not necessarily the direction the world is going right now. And the people who will, you know, who work in tech now, who work in finance now, who are in their, like, you know, early 20s, like where is their money going to go? Their money will go to digital art at some point when they get to a stage where they have that disposable income. So I feel as if like, I understand, I mean, it, it was really interesting to hear his perspective that there were people in the room trashing his art to his face, that his ascension has been extremely difficult, that basically saying the word NFT along with his art kind of sounded like you're like you're a flat earther or something. <laughs> like, like you've come out with some kind of like, literally just such a weird like you know it's flat earth or you know the, like the sun revolves around the uh the sun revolves around the planets and not the way around that's kind of how tainted it felt but it also felt at the same time that like in his soul he knows that digital art is the way forward and you just have to give it time so i don't know i understand wanting to have those billionaire quote-unquote collectors in your corner but i'd rather be like 
like making my art for the current market and the future market that's coming. I think that's the perfect, like saying flat earther is a, a perfect description there, Signal. Uh, I totally agree. Nick, anything before we move on to meme land and their October comeback? Yo, Fawocious has dealt with challenges in life, man, and he's uh, he, he continues to overcome them. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is like, so I, I have this thing. So it's basically all the value transitioning from this uh, drop uh, or drip what with the with the paint paint drop to the new NFT is that kind of the the idea here? Sig? Yeah, exactly. So we had the snapshot yesterday. I think that's at one p.m. Eastern, and then you've got the airdrop happening now. So you, that's why you've seen such a big sell off on the paint, and then that value will hopefully transfer to the twenty uh, k collection that's coming up. Do you still got your paint, Nick? I, I do. No. I don't. Oh, you sold. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, I've got like what it was restored and I'm actually looking forward to getting a free world. I think it's going to be like fun just to have one of them. You know, it's it, for me, it's a bit like a memento of the market. Like, um, wicked craniums were in the, like the timeline because they like the parent company It's a new parent company. And there's only so many people who actually know what a wicked cranium is. And I feel like, you know, having that provenance in your wallet and be like, I was around when wicked craniums dropped is kind of, it's kind of a cool thing to have. So I feel the same about Fero's at the moment. I think it's like a momentum of like a certain time in the NFT market that you need to be around for. Well, it happens to be worth a lot more uh, than the Wicked Cranium. So that's that's an upside associated with it. I think I like hate sold the the NFT at some point just to, and by hate, not towards a FIWO, but towards my own portfolio of just anger and frustration at the NFT market. So I made a couple. Fortunately, I didn't make too many errors. My, my accountant, though... Uh, congratulated me yesterday because he was like, dude, it turned out you made some good trades. Like you, uh, you had some good, the exits were the key. And, uh, uh, I've had, I've been making moves, man. It's been a, it's been a good, uh, few years. Um, this year, not so much, but, uh, uh, I'm I'm in the process of selling some, uh, company stock from my last job. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's the new, uh, asset that I'm, <laughs> that I'm quickly liquidating. Yeah, the, there you go, you trust fund spoiled brat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we got a comment here. 420 subscribers 69 said ETH will be in the 1000 to 1100 range at the end of this year. Nick, what do you think of that? I think is that an out to lunch take? Well, he's throwing a random number up and uh and I don't see any catalyst for that to be the case. That said, I'm increasingly bullish on Solana over ETH. I already had that mm. position. I already own more Solana than ETH, but I actually have an increasing amount of conviction. I was I was reading a lot of the documentation last night um, because I'm interested in the compressed NFT side of things. Um, and I want to have, uh, hint, hint, maybe some integrations associated with our own platform. But uh, the, the thing that is... Um, it's very interesting to me. It's very interesting. The Solana Did side of things. Did you see the FUD recently about Sol? No. no. There was, uh, and I actually, it was like kind of a stronger case at the end of it when you actually read through the comments. David Hoffman, I believe it's Bankless, yeah. had commented about the fact that Solana is inflationary at the moment and the fact that they only make about $45,000 from fees and cross-compared it to a variety of other blockchains. However, you had a variety of people from the Solana ecosystem comment on that and respond, yeah, that's how it should be. The foundation shouldn't be making a ton of profit and you should be trying to scale 
right now in a market that's dwindling. So by giving back and creating an easier opportunity for that, it ends up letting more people participate, cheaper transaction fees, and we can always increase fees. So it was a really interesting take. And I read through a bunch of the comments, seeing kind of both sides of this, uh, because obviously with ETH being deflationary now and some exorbitant fees, that one is leading as far as like blockchains that that a variety back to their foundation. Um, so it was, a, it was a pretty good dialogue back and forth on both sides of why people are pro or against Solana from just purely an underlying tech fee standpoint. Well, the revenue side of it is something I, I've asked questions about. That's one thing that I'm curious about. That said, uh, it's like the bottom line is they solved the, a lot of the scaling issues and Ethereum still like spitballing ideas. You got Vitalik talking about layer three related things and there's been phases of scaling. The thing that I will say is the transitions of Ethereum as the system has evolved have basically been flawless. It's been well-tested, well-developed, and like there haven't been uh, surprisingly significant bugs in that uh, transition process. But all that being said, I, I don't know, man. Solana seems really interesting in terms of uh, speed and uh, action going on. We're going to be at breakpoint. I mean, the other one that's been uh, evolving as well is Polygon. The thing that's most interesting about Polygon specifically is that other blockchains are leveraging their technology and building on top of it, building their own solutions on top of it. So I see both of those being sort of uh, interesting. That said, uh, just seeing the action on Solana, the, the, I'm, I, I go back and forth on these different things. There's a, uh, these guys I know from, uh, San Francisco, uh, have this platform called XMPP or XMTP. You can go look it up yourself. Um, but basically they're trying to build a messaging protocol on top of, uh, on top of web three. Theirs is built on top of ETH. As far as I'm aware, I'm not a hundred percent certain about that. But there's uh, a different platform that I saw built on top of that called um, uh, it's it's like a Web3 newsletter platform that's come out, Paragraph.xyz. So Paragraph.xyz is another thing that I've seen circulating in this space. What I think is interesting is there's a lot of development activity happening, and it's happening from people that I see from uh, the Web2 space that are building and operating on in the Web3 space. And they have a ton of conviction. And when I see that, I'm just like, okay, like there's a lot of people that I know from before that are like still active in this space that are just builders. You haven't heard about them. There's no hype cycle associated with them. Like they're not like, it's not the next hot NFT associated with them. But when I see those sorts of things and I'm looking at the, the Solana SDK and there's some like really interesting things associated with it where you could build some cool stuff where your software is fully built on uh, on a decentralized network where the hosting is all taken care of by the network, essentially. There, there's some interesting co uh, concepts that exist there and interesting ideas that I have. Bitcoin makes it way is way more expensive for that to happen. Ethereum is uh, is less expensive, but still expensive. Solana is incredibly cheap for that to go down. And so when I look at the sort of uh, development that's taking place, Kicks running an on-chain uh, sort of a, a gaming business at the bleeding edge of this, people who are building legitimate businesses in this space, 
We have games that are coming out that people are like a Zynga operating in this space. I'm like, yeah, the signals are actually quite fucking bullish for, for this space. We're just getting rid of what was basically all of the people who were, were doing jack shit and just making money and then coming in our Discord and complaining about it. Screw y'all. Bunch of wag me boys. Make money. A bunch of wag yeah, me Nick, boys. Nick, you're also like forgetting too. Traditional finance is actually starting to embrace blockchain and digital payments in general. You just had forgetting. But it, you, failing you, to you, mention. You forgot, dude. You forgot. Failing to mention in this conversation. Because Citibank is now tokenizing every single deposit as a digital asset to incre uh, increase and encourage cross-border payments. You got a bunch of other key things that are happening. I mean, even JP Morgan making public comments about ETH, despite it being negative, they said that they're disappointed in the Shanghai upgrade. Uh, because, and I assume it's because lack of price go up, like many people in this space. But they did comment on it. And it's one of the first times we're starting to see traditional finance actively respond to real situations that are occurring in the crypto ecosystem. That's so, pretty like, wild. The, that's, that's wild. huge. JP Morgan coming out with a full document <laughs> multiple pages around their take on ETH in its current situation. Excuse, like Visa, what? Like, excuse me? Never expected. And then Visa dropping a 12-page document on why they chose Solana as their blockchain of choice for settlement of payments is crazy to me. One and thing bam! that I do want to... Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. So th there's a distinction between adoption and price. The Bitcoin people like to use... Uh, uh, well, there's the halvening cycle, but there's also the number of uh, the hash rate is like a thing that you always hear on that side of things. I I'm uh, that one is interesting. It's less interesting personally to me in terms of like price action. It's actually an inverse sort of thing. It's basically saying at what price it's affordable for the the um, what do you call the the node operators essentially to be able to operate in the ecosystem, the price needs to go up in order for it to be lucrative when you have a significant volume of transactions happening on Bitcoin. Uh, in the case of Solana, though, you don't need that to happen. It's actually just crazy cheap to use, period. And I think from that standpoint, um, well, I saw uh, there's someone who kind of operates in our space, Drip House, uh, where I saw the the CEO tweet about his hosting bill being twelve thousand a month, damn, uh, which is to me like stupid. Like I I think they're making some errors. Like they're there's they must be. I, I don't know what the, I actually you know what the cost is probably associated with is the uh, the image hosting mm. is where some of the most expensive stuff is going down. That would be my estimate of where the cost they have over a million pictures. You know what I mean? Like countless numbers of them which is the it's the scale in which the number of assets that they have that i think leads to that hosting cost versus like on our side we have less than ten thousand being hosted for our solana nft project they have multiple millions when they do six hundred thousand nfts dropped that's certainly where i think the price comes into play it's gonna be a lot of guap for that many images nick go ahead but but where is it? actually i guess the point that i was getting to though is like i don't know that i necessarily see adoption equal price go up to the degree that some of these prices rise. So like you could get a lot more people on Solana. I understand it gives buying pressure, but like, what does that look like? Like quantitatively, like I I'm really genuinely curious what the court, like how much adoption needs to occur for price to go up. And, in, and more importantly, it's demand at that price because like there could be enough supply at a lower, like that. that's the thing that, I, that I'm not as clear about is is how those floating prices actually react from true adoption 
versus like people look at like volume going down of actual transactions because price is so high. It actually disincentivizes when price goes up significantly, it disincentivizes trading any of the underlying, doing any underlying activity. Because like, why would I buy a Solana NFT when the price of Solana itself is going to go up 20x? Like there's no, there's no reason for me to do that. So that's the thing I sort of wonder about um, associated with it. It's complex. What I was going to say is all I know is that the tokens, in my opinion, uh, are going to go up. Like I, I just, I really do just fully, am, I'm like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana are going to go up. Real quick, ladies and gentlemen, want to mention our partner for today's show again. Very exciting. We got Iskra. That's I-S-K-R-A. You see it pinned on the Twitter spaces. Uh, you see it on the YouTube screen. Clemente's got it going at the bottom. Iskra is an all-in-one Web3 game platform that rewards players and developers through a unique community system. Can't wait to talk about uh, this with Kix. Services include Web3 games, a wallet, a DEX, a marketplace, a launchpad, the whole kit and caboodle. Backed by some of South Korea's biggest tech and video game companies, we're going to talk all about that. The project has at this point raised, get this, 40 million bucks and raised and ranks at the top categories for gaming on DAP radar for both unique active wallets and engagement. While participating in base's main, a base mainnet's on-chain summer launch campaign in August, Iskra's Clashmon, that's one of the games we're going to talk about today, topped 80,000 unique mints during a seven-day period, matching on-chain activity for other major brands like Coca-Cola and Atari. So you can check this out at clashmon.iskra.world. That's C-L-A-S-H-M-O-N dot I-S-K-R-A dot world. So you're going to, if you go there, you can try the latest collectible battle RPG, that Clashmon game for free. So we're really excited to talk to Ben, uh, you know, from Iskra. That's going to be a great time. And I'm glad we have kicks here today uh, to talk about that. We'll do that in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I just wanted to kind of go back. Nick, hearing you talk about how excited you are about these different things, I mean, look, it just gets me hot and bothered, buddy. Like, this is so awesome to hear about these compressed NFTs. Yeah. And it well, it's, it's more on the development side of things, which I've always been paying attention to. You've just been a Bitcoin maxi without the understanding of the fundamentals, okay? So that's been the situation. But then calling me, uh, uh, you know, just a uh, ignoramus as a result of it and saying that I don't know what I'm talking about, which is just insulting. And I don't appreciate that, dude. Like, that's just like that, you know, that's messed up. I literally yeah. just bring up how excited I am about the development and you just lash back at me, you know, dump it on Bitcoin of all things. What are you talking? Yeah, this is what I'm going to do to you next. I'm going to throw the Bitcoin orb at you. Uh, kicks real quick. We're about to talk to our partners from Isco. We're going to talk to Ben, but I wanted to see from your perspective. I mean, I don't know if people like everybody that's listening knows this. You, you're, you have been running a gaming uh, entity in this blockchain crypto space for now almost two and a half calendar years. There's not that many people that could say that they've been running um, an entity like that for longer. Um, what do you make of some of the developments Nick pointed out on these different blockchains? Uh, I, I mean, are, how excited are you about what's going on? And how do you think price plays into it? Because people are obsessed with price. How do you think price plays into it? And, and what chain are you most interested in? Great question. Um, <clears throat> since we're building on-chain games, the uh, the like efficiency and scale is is very very important to us because just to like put in perspective on Polygon Mainnet to run one Midnight Heist Combat costs anywhere from sixty cents to two dollars, 
Um, so we're really looking at like layer three solutions and like, you know, like chain, like your own like subnets or, or stuff like that. So there's a couple interesting things at that layer. One is one is Polygon uh, X immutable. There's ZK EVM. You were kind of alluding to that, Nick. Uh, uh, another one example would be like AVAX subnets are very efficient with gas costs. Uh, and then there's also Arbitrum Nova. Um, which is essentially like uh, Arbitrum's layer three. One of the interesting things going on on Arbitrum, uh, they recently announced uh, this this product they have called Stylus. And Stylus essentially allows you to uh, code outside of just Solidity. So you can use Rust and C++, um, but it's completely composable um, with uh, the EVM blockchain. Which is really interesting because you can get like a hundred, hundred to a thousand times more efficient on things like uh, memory storage and stuff like that. So that's a really interesting uh, update it's going called on. Stylus, yeah, yeah, Arbitrum Stylus. But yeah, like as Nick kind of said, like what's really cool in this bear market is just seeing the progression of the tech and 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 how hard like people are pushing, um, you know, p- pushing things forward and making things that weren't possible a couple of you know, years ago, like very viable and possible now, like with, with on-chain games, they're just, they're not viable on ETH mainnet, right? Just you're, you're going to get shredded to zero by gas costs. And so you have to look at either solutions like uh, Starkware has some interesting on-chain game stuff going on because they have like, what was built on Starkware? Um, so there's like a remember loot back in the day. Mm. Um, right. So like they, you know, they ended up, having like this whole community decentralized community, whatever that has continued to like build on-chain games and on-chain stuff so there's there's a lot of uh, that that group is doing a lot of interesting stuff over on starkware um oh so rare uh, was on starkware so rare yeah. was reboot.gg which is pixel vaults gaming platform they're going to arbitrum nova uh, you got pirate nation right they announced their big raise that they had um they're on arbitrum nova uh, then you see companies uh, like Shrapnel over on uh, AVAX subnets. Then you have um, uh, Beam, which is Merit Circle's gaming platform. They're doing an AVAX subnet. So you're really seeing. Um, uh, and then, of course, even you have Ronin Network. So Ronin Network is trying to attract a bunch of games to their platform. So they Pixels, which is a very big Web3 game, uh, announced that they are moving over to Ronin. So it's really interesting because there's a lot of viable solutions and now it's kind of like who's going to win out and where is like the action going to really concentrate in terms of like, does all of this stuff make price go up? I mean, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think scale does make price go up in some way, shape or form. But I think that what you're seeing is you're seeing like the development of the app layer, right? And so we'll probably see more of the value accrue to the app layer uh, on a like return basis than at the base layer, which would be like the Solana token or the Ethereum token. Not saying that those aren't going to go up, right? But like, this is what we've been waiting to see um, materialize in crypto is the app layer, right? Because like, yeah. you can build all the infrastructure in the world, but if there's no apps on top that are attracting consumers, then what are we really doing here? So my thesis, I, the next couple of years is that probably we see value accrue to the app layer and what's an app. So Frontech is an example, right? So 
front tech is over on base. They're generating a lot of fees for base. So base is making money, right? They're the infrastructure layer, right? Then look at the amount of money that front tech is making being the app layer. Front tech is probably making 100x, if not more, uh, in terms of revenue versus the fees that they're generating on, on base. So I think that's the big transition we're seeing here. As the blockchain is becoming more efficient, therefore more apps that uh, are, are now viable to be built now we're going to see that whole app layer materialize, and that's probably where the value accrues to. Um, the dApps. <laughs> I mean, dApp dap layer. It, it is the dApp layer. Uh, fantastic analysis, Kicks. Love hearing about that. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Ben from Iskra. So, ladies and gentlemen, today's partner, Iskra, gaming entity in the space. Very excited to learn about it. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me, man. Oh, doing fantastic. Our pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of just lead uh, by sharing some information broadly about Iskra. Then obviously we're going to dive deeper. I want to talk about the history of gaming in, in uh, South Korea too, because when you and I were meeting uh, last week, I was really fascinated by some of the detail that you gave there. And I think a lot of people would find that very interesting, uh, you know, whether they play games or not. But for people that, you know, might be unfamiliar with Iskra, unfamiliar with some of the games that you guys have already released, could you give us like kind of a, a a high level sort of elevator pitch on what Iskra is? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically you guys nailed it um, earlier, right? We're this all-in-one um, Web3 game platform where we offer not just games, but other Web3 services, right? Like a wallet, a DAX, a launchpad. And we also have this community system that rewards both the players and the developers for their participation on the platform. Whether you play our games, you run a node, use the decks, whatever. And we, we share that back with everybody. And so we've quietly been launching services and games now, you know, for the last year and a half. And uh, fortunately, we're getting some traction. You know, we're, we're ranking at the top of um, uh, DAP radar for user active wallets and engagement. And, you know, recently we were lucky enough to do this thing with base because we've been focusing mainly on emerging markets, right? Southeast Asia, South America. And with this collab with Coinbase, now we have a chance to actually see if we can enter, you know, Western markets like the U.S. and Europe, right? Um, and so, let's see. I don't know. Let's see what happens. <laughs> how, how big is your team now? Oh, man. There's probably about, I want to say, 70 to 80 of us now, right? Um, yeah, a big chunk of it is development, right? At the branch office in Korea. Then we've got a small studio in vietnam and then myself the global team we're kind of spread out like all over the world I, i'm in cali you know so it's pretty crazy the amount of development that it's like going on internationally though that's the thing that i think like a lot of this action is taking yep. place outside the u.s at this point in time which is uh crazy to see yeah i mean i just got back from korea blockchain week and uh singapore token 2049 and a lot of the american projects and i guess vcs that i was able to meet yeah, basically, man, everybody's saying the action's in Asia, right? Um, particularly Korea. For some reason, man, that's where the trading volume still is, dude. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty crazy week. Well, I want to talk about South Korea in the context of gaming quickly. I don't come from gaming. Obviously, Kix is a gamer. Easy's a gamer. Um, there's some other gamers in our organization. But you told me something I found fascinating about the the kind of like significance of South Korea in the gaming landscape and why you believe that they South Korea will have a, a very important role in Web3 gaming. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that, Ben? I think, you know, whether someone's a gamer or not, they'll find it interesting. 
Yeah. So, so first, let me qualify, right? You know, when you say the other guys are gamers, man, I'm a lot older than you guys. I'm like middle age gamer, right? That's like my 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 niche, right? Um, you know, and just a little bit of background on myself, right? Unlike you guys, I'm I'm totally not you know web three native, and I come from the game publishing business. Been doing it for over 15 years, um, you know, and and I've been able to work with a lot of Korean developers bringing online games to emerging markets in Southeast Asia, like the Philippines to India. And then I went to South America, you know, did a company there in Brazil, Colombia. And uh, I had a joint venture here in California. That's why I've been here ever since. Right. So I've been working with a lot of Korean developers over the years. Um, some interesting things, right? Like, like I mentioned to you, like I said, I'm old and I, I saw this stuff happen. Right. I think a lot of people uh, may not realize how important South Korea was in terms of the development of online games and MMORPGs, right? I think that obviously World of Warcraft was kind of like the gold standard for stuff, right? Yeah. But that was spurred by this massive MMORPG online game business in Korea. Like 20 years ago, the MMORPG business and the online game business in Korea was already like two and a half billion dollars a year by itself. And in the US, there was like none, no online anything. I mean, yeah, you had Ultima Online, EverQuest, you know, those little niche MMORPGs. But until Blizzard came along after taking a look at what was happening in Korea and kind of understanding all the different mechanisms and systems that work, right, that really brought kind of online gaming and MMORPGs to kind of the next level, right? Um, you know, I also think, you know, the interesting thing, too, is a lot of things we may take for granted today, uh, like free-to-play, right, a lot of that was innovated and introduced in Korea, right? I mean, you know, before we were all doing the subscription model for MMORPGs, and then we had to switch, right? Because people couldn't afford doing that anymore, right? I mean, it's it's too much of a premium product. And so the free-to-play model also introduced the loot box, right? Like the gotcha, right? Yeah. Whether you, Wherever you stand on that controversial issue is, is another thing, right? I but, love it. I love it. <laughs> right? So, so I, I think it's really interesting, and this is why... At Korea Blockchain Week, you know, a lot of folks were asking me, it's like, so Ben, what's your secret sauce of your project, right? What's what's your guys' superpower? And I'm just like, Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think if, if, anybody's gonna, if anyone's going to figure this shit out, dude, it's going to be the Koreans, okay? Um, and, and by the way, like, just, just so I don't sound like this creepy Korea file, right? Like I said, I've been working with those guys for like 20 years. My wife's Korean. My kids are half, right? I'm totally like... I'm assimilated with the Borg at this point. You get invited you know I mean? to the barbecue. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like I'm probably like the only non-Korean guy like talking so much about why Korea is so great with game content and all this stuff. Well, but um, but yeah, yeah. So just, just a little bit of disclosure there. For well, you guys. I, I love the detail, Ben. I love the history. I'm fascinated by when countries or or you know cultures are just really good at things, like specific things, like the fact that you know what whatever country is really good at a particular sport and stuff like that. And I was fascinated that Korea. Mm -hmm has this history in gaming that I didn't know about. So you, so you guys, your recent kind of progression is going to base, right? So you have this, you're on yes. the base chain. Brian Armstrong himself, uh, tw did he tweet about the project or he bought it? What, what did he do exactly? No, dude, it was crazy. I mean, I think working with base, again, the reason why we decided to work with base uh, was basically timing and luck, right? We knew a guy who knew a guy Clashmon kept getting delayed and the game was finally ready to launch. And then base was like, Hey, do you guys want to launch on our chain? Right. And they're like, we have this, this thing in August called on chain summer. And, you know, 
as a game publisher globally, I'm like, dude, the U.S. is the hardest market to possibly penetrate, right? And I'm like, there's no way we're getting in there unless we have an 800-pound gorilla kind of backing us, right? And so, you know, everything kind of came together. Those guys, for such a massive organization, super engaged, right? And, you know, they were always on there to help help promote us. <laughs> like I said, we never expected Brian Armstrong to mint uh, a Clashmon NFT, right? I mean, you know, Homeboy basically like tweeted it out. He's like, hey, I, I just minted today, right? So we got to watch out for that guy in the game, the troublemaker, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think um, it was a great opportunity for us. I think we really pushed it out in our markets. Coinbase obviously did their thing and man, we're, we're really happy, you know, close to, you know, actually 80,000 unique mints in seven days um, was quite an achievement for us, right? And slowly now, I think people in the West are slowly starting to kind of be like, oh, interesting. Look at these different games that, you know, these guys are kind of putting out and look at all these services they have. Um, I don't know. Let's take a look, right? And let's see. Well, I'm curious what the, the this is more of a technical question, but we, as we were discussing right before you came on, mm. I, like cost is obviously one of the issues that seems to be a catalyst for kicks and it. I think it would be for any business is wh where, where can we be most cost efficient associated with it? I think you, uh, there's some assumption on some of these chains that the users are going to shoulder the burden, which I, on ETH L1, or like, I, obviously, that, I, I think the users are the ones that absorb that via mm -hmm. uh, just like gas fees associated with it. Right. But like, how does the cost operate for you on uh, base and like how expensive is it to operate there? I don't think there's much of a difference because right now a lot of our services and games are off of Clayton, right? Which is, um, you know, the Korea based kind of uh, foundation, right? And they're actually one of our biggest backers. Um, we now have a, a, an omni-chain strategy, right? Where we're, we want to go where it is, like you said, the most cost effective um, and where the users are, right? And so I think we got lucky with the timing with, with base. Uh, mainnet. So to answer your question quickly about the costs, I think at this point for us, a lot of this stuff right now, it, it, pretty similar in my opinion. Our focus really is engagement, right? I don't know about other projects, but you know, right now our mandate is user engagement and user acquisition wherever those people are, right? Uh, and that's why we're we're trying to get into the U.S. We're still focusing on emerging markets, right? Having said that. We were, we're talking to guys like Layer Zero. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. And, yeah. and it seems like they've got some great solutions where from a user standpoint, supposedly, you know, all this cross-chain bridging and all that stuff, they can make it a lot more seamless, right? So we're, we're in discussions with them um, to kind of use that technology. And I don't know, based on their business model, it doesn't cost us almost anything, right, to do. Um, and yet it's another value add that we can give a lot of the users and the new people that we're trying to onboard, right? Um, you know, which is what basic strategy was, right? Onboarding the next billion Web3 users, which may or may not be the current users we have today. So in order to get started, I'm curious, like in terms of action on this, because I know that uh, right now Clashmon seems to be, is it this is this game live? And uh, for me to participate, what does one have to do? So it's live already. It's a browser-based game, so you can play it off of any browser, PC, um, or or Mac. Um, eventually, we're going to try to get it so you can play it on the browser on your phone, right? But we're not quite there yet. Um, we're trying to make it as seamless as possible, man. So right now, you just go there. You can log in, sign in with Google. You start playing. That's it. 
So there's no it, it, there. So right, I got it. So you're trying to get just a uh, players. It's not a mint mint and NFT sort of situation here. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? So part of our our strategy is, man, we're trying all kinds of things, right? We've launched two other games. We had this we had this awesome cooking simulation game, right, where you build your restaurant empire and all that stuff. That one we kind of did traditionally where we had like a initial NFT offering, right? There was like a game token offering and all that stuff. With Clashmon, we're just trying to lower all the barriers and the friction. We're not selling any NFTs. You don't need that to get started. It's free to play. And we're just trying to onboard as many people as, as much as possible. And we're taking a look at all the game engagement data to make sure that the retention is at a level that we're really, really happy with. And then we can figure out later on, right? How, to, how do we monetize, right? I'm already seeing from my past experience internationally, we got to figure out these on-ramps and off-ramps, right? Yes. So now we got to talk to the local payment providers in each country where we're, we're seeing a lot of traction, right? Because not everybody can pay with credit card and all this stuff. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're just really right now, we're, we're trying every possible thing, but our focus is, is user acquisition and engagement. I, I absolutely love that. And uh, that's something that we've focused on and had a lot of conversation about. Mm -hmm. Kicks brought up uh, the platform. I, I'm now blanking on the name. I, I was checking out an API called Venly. What's the one that FriendTech uses, Kicks? Privy. Privy. Yeah. There's no doubt that like that's where a lot of the action is right now. Uh, as far as as far as I'm concerned, from a developer standpoint, mm. is being able to essentially the custodial wallet side of things, where uh, where there is no friction for the user to sign up. They can right. go log in. There, there have been a lot of login to access a wallet sort of thing. Um, but uh, the, the, the custodial wallet side of things where the platform itself can essentially manage it, have all the transactions happen there, give full onboard, offboard access the same way that Coinbase does uh, as it applies to trading. And then if you want to go self-custody, there, there's going to be that option. Maybe that's a, a, a fee-based approach where if you want to get outside of our ecosystem, and that's Coinbase is charging you on, 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 uh, on that side. That's their business model. So I think there is a lot of interesting stuff on that front. And if you're able to build a game that gets a bunch of people playing, inherently transactions will occur within that, within that ecosystem. It... It's very long-term minded, but it sounds like you guys have the uh, the funding for it in order to kind of support development and experimentation along that journey. Yeah, I think we're, we're fortunate to have that. And, you know, there's, again, like I said, a bunch of old guys like me who are from like the game business, game servicing side, right? And then everybody else is kind of from the Web3 kind of blockchain tech side, right? And so now there's always these very lively and spirited debates, right, about you know, no, make them log in with a wallet first. But then the game guys are like, dude, the user journey is let them let them like it. And then, you know, these might not be people who are very Web3 savvy. Let them figure out the wallet stuff and the trading and everything later on once we've already got them in, right? So there's this kind of testing balance going back and forth. And, and you know, our approach is we're, we're constantly looking at the data to kind of see that, right? I think interestingly, for that cooking game that I mentioned to you guys, there's a fiat on-ramp on there uh, where you you can you know buy certain I guess candy or some of the currency so you can just complete the um, the stages the restaurant stages and we're finding that people are actually paying fiat 
just to finish the stages. They're not trying to cash out. Right? Wow. And so to us, that's a really good sign, right? The other good sign is we have this, this other little social casino game, right? It's slots, basically. But you can't cash out or else we would be gambling, right? But basically, when you, when you win in the slots, you get these diamonds that allow you to compete in these hyper-casual games, right? Like Whack-A-Piggy and Rock, Paper, Scissors. Then if you get ranked, then you can cash out, right? But the weird thing is people are paying stablecoin just to get the spins, right? Like I'm not a social casino player. I'm not a slots player. I don't want to start, right? Because obviously it's addicting, right? <laughs> but, but, but man, people are playing, paying stablecoin to do this, right? So I think at least for, for the game guys in, in the business right now, right? We're, we're kind of balancing it out. We're really encouraged that there is engagement here. Okay, how do we balance that out now with the digital ownership stuff, the earning part, right? And how do you know how do we kind of meld all these things? And so, for us, we're just trying it with as many games and genres as possible, with as many different business models, man. Because, like I said, this is, I think this is the the approach with a lot of developers in Korea currently, and that's why I'm, I'm convinced if anyone's going to figure it out, it, it's going to be those guys. It's actually really interesting because it's comparable that, you know, the gaming industry, I think they say is similar to the sort of Hollywood and the movie industry where you're betting on hit uh, hit games being produced by these studios, essentially. I think it's also uh, j just from that standpoint, there's some uh, interesting opportunities in terms of like funding to see which of these products slash game like it's it's it's. Like who ends up with the breakthrough in terms of like what that user experience ends up looking like that you get the full loop uh, happening there. And it seems like, you know, one of the easiest ways you mentioned slots as an example, there's a game that I have on my phone. I downloaded like a blackjack <laughs> game but, uh, and I've paid, I paid $3 to buy more of their like fake coins. Right. Because I was like, it, it was actually a spades was the game that I enjoyed playing. Okay. And I was like, this is a great way just to just like kill time. <laughs> There's there is this element of being able to like bet like a, a bigger number. Like it makes you feel like I'm showing up to the table with three hundred fifty thousand, <laughs> you know, made up tokens. It's way different than like me. Like and it's not real money. Yeah, right. there's three dollars that went into it, but it's like uh, it's 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 a great experience. So yeah. sometimes the simplest is the best. What are you gonna say, Kevin? Yeah. So I, actually, sorry. This this the screen that you're showing. You see that penguin that's kind of flying to this to this through space. Yep. That is a wagering function we have in Clashmon, right? Where what you do is you bet a certain amount of your game tokens, and as the penguin goes through space, there's a multiplier, right? Like times one. It goes all the way up to two hundred. And you basically get 200 times whatever you bet. But the trick is you got to bail out before the penguin explodes. Yeah, Easy right? and I played a game like this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there's a, there's a version of that on Solana. Yeah. Um, it's called so, so bit, yeah. bit something. Well, I'm it's blanking it, on the name. But the, yeah. the concept of the game, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just listening, it feels like don't don't fly too close to the sun, right, Ben? Like basically, you got <laughs> to well, bail. It's a game of, it's the ultimate game of chicken, pretty much. It's the yeah, game the, of chicken. The known right? game is called Crash, <laughs> and it's uh, become popularized across yeah. a variety of different blockchains for 10xing, 100xing, and all these other craziness that happens. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you'll see like a 2,000x, and obviously, exactly. uh, that's exactly. the feedback loop that hits. So, so, so Ben, your yeah. your token uh, for this game is Torch. Correct. 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 Cool. Yeah. So I uh, I've played now live on air while we've been talking. <laughs> I played two games of Clashmon. <laughs> I just got my first win. 
I'm, I'm, I'm one in one. Um, but what I absolutely love that you said, what you're going for with Clashmon is you just want easy onboarding and user Correct. acquisition. I feel like we're super early in web three and some of the models and things that we're trying, like, you know, we're going to, the stuff from 2021, maybe we're abandoning some of those models and trying new models. I love this model of let people just come in and start playing right away instead Absolutely. of gating it behind an NFT, instead of gating it behind a drop or something like that. Correct. I really think that's a fantastic model and we're going to see a lot more of that over the next couple of years because there already can be some natural friction to getting to some Web3 games. So like, why add another layer of you know, you know confusion on top so i love that literally Correct. we've been on this call talking with you for like 15 minutes now i'm, I'm going into game three of clashmon that's how easy <laughs> it was to on ramp into the game and start playing it the the graphics on this are phenomenal it's it's very oh, well thanks done. man i'm glad i'm yeah, glad you like it no the, the team worked really really hard on it i mean i think one of the other things too that we're focusing on is localization right I know that everything is in English right now, but um, because of my experience going to emerging markets, even though the whole world pretty much speaks English, okay, but you can probably three or four X your users if you really not just localize the game, but you really work locally with the actual communities to grow. So like localize the marketing and the- Exactly, that's yeah. what we're doing, right? So we're hitting Southeast Asia, um, Brazil, definitely that's you know pretty much- my old kind of stomping grads. I know for a fact there's a hundred million gamers there, dude. It's like two yeah. and a half billion dollars a year. And so what's revenue. your model with like, or what's your strategy with localization? Like, do you work with influencers there? Like kind of without giving away too much of the secret sauce? Like, no, what is no, no. dude, there is no secret sauce, man. Cause right now nobody knows what works quite frankly. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what we're doing is again, I'm lucky that the company I started 18 years ago that I sold is still around in Brazil. So I'm working with them to really like create these local communities there. In the Philippines and Indonesia, we're also working with local groups to really, really localize the uh, the marketing, right? I mean, I feel like it, it sounds like it's really old school, but I feel like where we are right now, that's what we got to do. You know? I, get, I got a question about the, so like that game that you had the, the crap, the, I don't know what you, what the, what was the name of the crash like game? It's called Penguin Shoots in the Air and Cash. <laughs> <laughs> that's called Galactic Shot. It's called Galactic, Galactic Shot. Shot. Yeah. So I'm curious what what it seems like you're staking with all these things is like uh, an in-game currency essentially, like Correct. a coin that's purchased. It, do you guys, when it comes to those sorts of games, do you just have a manageable level of inflation, or is the idea with the gambling ones is that actually the user does lose? Uh, like it, it's point nine you know, percent like, like so that you're constantly sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. So the team has really built in all of these anti-inflationary measures, right. For the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they're they're And again, on a daily basis, we really watch the token economy and the usage and everything. However, we already built in certain mechanisms already. Right. So for example, a whale can't just come in and buy more than I think, $2,000 worth of torch in 30 days. You just can't, right? So, so nobody can just come in here kind of you know, with a huge stack and just basically, you know, get all these rare clash mods. It's just impossible, right? And even cashing out, I think we're testing daily limits, I think of like, I don't know, $500 or something like that, right? Obviously, these are all fluid, right? But we're watching these on a daily basis just to make sure it's kind of a more play, even playing field, right? Even as you're collecting these really super rare 
um, clash mons that you're going to play with, right? I think part of the thing that I'm, you know, this is my personal hunch, is that I think the concept of digital ownership is very, it's a sound thesis, right? Everybody's chasing that thing. One of the things that I've noticed in my own experience is that you really need people to nerd out on the content, right? So the value is really the value of the entire experience, not just the perceived value of the underlying asset, right? You know what I mean? Because I feel like maybe sometimes we, we may get too ahead of ourselves yeah. in the NFT value before people really love the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, but gets, again, that, that's, that's a personal, line. yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a personal. I completely agree with you because like Counter-Strike Go, right? Like everyone talks about Counter-Strike Go and Counter-Strike Go skins. Like the reason why rare Counter-Strike Go skins from 2015 are valuable is because there's millions upon millions of players. And back go. in 2015, you could have bought all those skins cheaply. And then if you held them today, they would have accrued value. But sometimes in NFTs, we flip it and we accrue all of the value in hopes that Correct. A bunch of correct. Correct. So I, I I don't know, right? I mean, I also think you know I was talking to another gamer, an OG gamer buddy of mine who's also into Web three now, and I have to credit him for for this term. I think we're going to see the emergence of what he calls the gamer whale, right? Where you have people who really nerd out on a game, right? And only they really understand the game so much they become the whale, right? So they're the ones who know where to put their stack behind and. You know what I mean? How to do this? So I think that's that might be a little different from you know the current traders and you know degens that we currently have now. Again, it's a thesis. Yay. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, Down yeah. with the degens. No, I mean, degens <laughs> <laughs> keeping the lights on right now. So <laughs> the thing I got the most, the biggest kick out of that Ben said it was a small comment, but how the Web three guys at Iskra are like, no, you got to connect the wallet first. It's like, dude, yeah. the Web three people just constantly being like, you need a wallet. It's got to be. It's like, guys, let's just get them playing the damn game first. How about that? Um, yeah. Well. Well, Ben, so if somebody wants, if someone's interested, maybe someone watching on YouTube has been impressed by the gameplay or maybe, uh, you know, someone that's been listening to the show on audio only has, you know, really liked the way that you've talked about the game. How do people get involved? Like, how do people play Clashmon? We have the website pin clashmon.iskra.world. Just walk them through, yeah. like, what happens? Like, how do they go from listening to the show to actually playing a game of Clashmon? Dude, man, honestly, just go to the website. Go to iskra.world. Yeah. Look at Clashmon, click on it, and start playing. There's no download, no nothing. And if that doesn't work, then that's on us. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I what literally I mean? went to the website. I uh, I signed in via Google. Yeah. And then they, you're right into the intro, like that's intro right. trailer. And I got ADD, so I hit skip and I went right in and got right into the arena. And I used yeah. my free free runs. Awesome, man. Good. Nobody's gonna get yelled at. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> Nick, this is awesome. No, I'm just saying, uh, th this is exciting. We definitely uh, need to have you back in the future. This is a cool game and I uh, hope that a lot of people end up checking it out, but also just very exciting uh, to see the development efforts that you all are making um, because that's really where the action is. I was saying before you came on that uh, I, I just keep seeing more and more validation of people who, I, who experienced entrepreneurs and experienced uh, builders who... Uh, I see operating in this space and actually building legitimate, um, le legitimate platforms, products, and tools uh, for you know for for the end user, the end consumer, and that that just makes me absolutely excited. It makes me feel like 
the, the NFT prices may be down, but uh, we're all still here actively building. And I, I, I could not feel more bullish about it and appreciate that people like yourself are uh, deeply involved um, in making that future a reality. So yeah, r really exciting stuff. And uh, congratulations on the growth so far. No, man. Thanks for having me. I'm just glad someone's willing to listen, right? <laughs> to what we're trying to do, you know. So. I, I get it. I mean, look, but it's it's great to you know hear all about Iskra, all about Clashmon. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is a gaming entity. At this point, they've raised 40 million in funding, got a South Korean team, getting traction internationally. Brian Armstrong himself tweeted about it. Didn't have to do that. Um, if you want to check it out, go to Iskra.world. That's I S K R A dot world. There's more than one game. The game that we talked about mostly today was Clashmon. Really easy to play, easy to onboard. Follow the Istra account. So we have all these things pinned to the Twitter spaces on YouTube here. We have um, the website. It's really easy to find. Just I-S-K-R-A underscore world on Twitter. And big thank you to Ben for joining today. This was a jam, Ben. No, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. You know, I hope uh, I was able to give you guys some value and to your listeners as well. Yeah, I, I think you definitely were. I don't know. Theo seemed frozen there for a second, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was like waiting for Nick, and Nick's like go, like getting ready to talk into the mic. Oh no, no, no! Uh, sorry, no, no. Uh, really appreciate it. I, we yeah, it, it was a great conversation, and looking forward to it. And uh, maybe we'll connect at some. What's the next event you're going to? Oh man, I don't know. Looking at G Star probably in Seoul in November. Right, it's it's the big uh, gaming convention there, so I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll take a look and see. Well, wish awesome. we could go. That would be incredible. I don't you think you guys should come down, man. It? We'll, we'll it? It's in November. I, I got to get the day, but it's in November. Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't wish, Po. Make 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 <laughs> dreams a reality, okay? Hey, man, we will be happy to host you guys, man. Just let me know, dude. It'll be great. We'll tear it up in Seoul and in Busan. Yeah. November 17th to the 20th. I guess we're going to be in Korea. That's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, check out our partner for today's show, Iskra. Go to iskra.world, I-S-K-R-A.world. Free-to-play game. You don't even have to connect a wallet. They're trying to make a fun oh. game first. Crazy idea. Crazy idea. Get in the mix. What, Nick, did I say something wrong? Maybe not. Okay. No, your internet and, was uh, lagging. Okay. Got it. I just changed my internet, I guess, in vain. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this was our show. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Available on Twitter Spaces, Apple and Spotify podcasts, or YouTube if you want the video feed. Check out today's partner, Iskra.world, I-S-K-R-A.world. And we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time.